Welcome to Chase Oaks on this Veterans Day weekend. If you could, could you do me a favor? If you are a veteran, could you please stand to your feet so we could take a moment to honor you today? Thank you so much for being with us this weekend. We appreciate you. We don't take for granted that we can come into ch church and, you know, no one's, no one's nervous right now because of of a lot of the service that you have given to this country and so we are extremely grateful for you and if you're watching this message from somewhere we are grateful for you as well we are continuing a series called this is how we roll we are so glad that you have made it to church today as we kind of talk about some things of why we do what we do and when i say i am super glad that you are here i really mean that i know i'm supposed to say that but i really mean it and the reason i really mean that is because there's a lot of people who well, aren't here. And there's a lot of reasons that they're not here. They got a lot of stories as to why they're not here. But you're, you're here. You may not even be glad that you're here, but I'm glad that you're here. Because, I mean, here's the deal. My, my story with church, my, my, my relationship with church, I grew up in church. I was a pastor's kid. I didn't have a choice, okay? It was like, you're going to church, okay? Because you had to go to work with dad. And so, at some point, I just enjoyed it. I, I liked it. I wasn't always allowed to enjoy it. But nevertheless, like, it was like, I, 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 was, I was cool with it. And I've been preaching or teaching most of my adult life. So, my relationship with church has pretty much been the same my whole life. But I realized... That is not most people's stories. For a lot of people, they've kind of had this back and forth relationship with church or they've been anti-church their whole life or maybe religion was forced on them as a kid or maybe you've got like a Lutheran background or a Catholic background or you might be in a place where maybe you just moved to North Dallas and you're sort of like church shopping or, or maybe your wife like made you come, you like did something wrong this week and they're just like, hey, you can make up for it by coming to church. I mean, like everybody's got a little bit of a different reason as to how they got here. But you are here. And so here's, here's the deal. As you are sort of navigating what I believe to be a relationship with church, I think it's important that you understand uh, how Chase Oaks rolls a little bit. So what we've been doing over the past couple of weeks is looking at some what we call DNA statements. And this weekend, I'm going to be looking at two. These are things that are absolutely core to who we are. Now, and here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to bash another pastor. I'm not going to bash another church. And here's the deal. Jeff and I have pastor friends all over this city that do church a lot different. And guess what? They're trying to do what God has called them to do as best as they possibly can and serve the city of Dallas and serve the kingdom of God. And we've got our DNA statements as well that we've said, hey, we want to be a part of this in, in the way that, that we feel like God has called us to obey him and serve North Dallas and serve the kingdom of God. So this isn't like a, hey, choose us message. It's a, hey, we want you to know what you're getting yourself into when you sat down. The first statement we want to look at, DNA state. This is not our party. This is not our party party. And, and when we use that DNA statement, in other words, what we're saying is we are laying down our preferences of church so that those who have yet to come may feel like they actually can come. When we think about church preferences, a lot of us typically think of 
our favorite songs and our favorite speakers. Like some people walk into a church and they're going, they better sing What a Beautiful Name, Oceans and Gyra, or else I'm leaving. Like they kind of have this thing of like, they better have Chris Tomlin, they better have my, 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 my favorite music, otherwise we're, we're going to have a problem. And, and then they hope whoever's on the stage is not preaching on Leviticus for six weeks in a row. Okay, they're just like, hey, I hope that it's super engaging. Please don't bring up tongues or anything weird. I'm trying to invite a friend. And, and so we kind of have a few preferences. And some people are like, no, man, I want you to go verse by verse in, in the Bible. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Or can you talk about, like, we can all have our preferences. But... If you find yourself in the boat of being a Christ follower, one of the, this is a very, very important DNA statement. For us, we're going, hey, this isn't our party. We're playing a part in the party, but guess what? It's, it's not our party. In fact, we are trying to create an environment that Christians and those that aren't would love to attend. And we're trying to create an environment that Christians and those who aren't would still get a lot out of. And the reason we do that is because that's the same thing that happened with Jesus. I love what happened with Jesus when he was first recruiting one of his very first followers. In the Gospel of Mark, who was what scholars considered to be a distant follower of Jesus when Jesus was on the planet. He wasn't one of the original disciples, but he did connect with Peter after the death of Jesus Christ and learn a lot about Peter's first-hand experiences with Jesus, and he wrote, he wrote about them in his gospel. And so Mark chapter 2, verses 13, it says, Once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And then it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Tax collectors in this day and age, these were the worst of the worst. These were Jews who had connected with the Roman government that uh, they were considered traitors to their own people. They had a deal with the Roman government that if they were collecting taxes, they could literally cheat people out of extra money. They walked around with uh, Roman soldiers and literally would bully people out of money. Think, think mob, think gangsters meets the IRS. Okay, like, I mean, like this was, this is why they were, there was so much disdain for tax collectors. Tax collectors were so bad that even in the Bible it says, Sinners and tax collectors, okay? Tax collectors got their own category when they could have just been lumped into just sinners. And it's interesting that when Jesus is picking teams, remember the mission is to save the world. He picks the worst of the worst. 
In fact, if we had no other verses, I think this story encapsulates the entire gospel. You literally have the worst of the worst being recruited by the best of the best. It does not get any better than this. And so you've got this rookie follower of Jesus. And the first thing he does is he says, let's throw a party. Let's throw a party. And he didn't invite religious people. He invited his buddies. He's, he's calling all his friends at H&R Block. He's like, hey, guys, here's the deal. This is what we're going to do. I'm having a party. All right, who's coming? A rabbi. Yeah, we no, what, no, no. Guys, let me just, <laughs> I just got to tell you something. This rabbi just gave me the invitation that was only reserved for the best of the best. He sees me, and I think he sees you different than everybody else sees us. you got to come to my house tonight for dinner. And Jesus is sitting at the table with sinners and tax collectors. He, literally, Matthew, he has created an environment. That a Christ follower would respect, that a non-Christ follower would go, I'm at least curious about this guy who sees people different. Like you might be here today, you may not even be a Christian. And you might think, the reason you're not a Christian is because of another label that another religious person has put on you. Let me just tell you that why this DNA statement is so important. It's so that we can tell you, God still sees you. He sees you, perhaps differently than what you were even told growing up. And so, yeah, we want this message to be loud and clear. We, literally, everything we do, top to bottom, from children's ministry to student ministry to music to worship to the message, has people that don't know Jesus in mind. We're thinking about it all the time. Like, like some of you are going, did we just sing a Miley Cyrus song at the beginning of service? And some of you were bobbing your head. Some of you weren't sure if you could bob your head. You're like, is this okay? It's okay. Why? Because we realize that there are people that when they hear your favorite worship song, they have no idea what's going on. And so what we do is we leverage a very, very powerful tool, which is music. To make people go, you know what? I might just be a little bit more receptive to what's going on here. You have no idea how many stories we've heard from people that weren't Christians, that heard one of the songs that we've done that, that aren't, a, aren't a, a typical worship song that said, you know what? I came in, I was a little tense, I was sitting down, but I just thought, man, this place is a little bit different. Because I know for a lot of us, we went to a church. You were not allowed to bob your head or, dare I say, have fun, have fun in church. Are you out of your mind? Do you know what we're doing here? It's heaven or hell, people. Get it together. I mean, like, there was, there was no smiling. I mean, for some people, when they come to a church like this, here's what we realize. Everybody in North Dallas does not know how to church. They don't know how to do it. And, and I had to learn this lesson the hard way because I'm like, oh, it's the Bible Belt. Everybody gets what's going on. But when people walk in here, it's amazing. If you just pause and look around, there will be at least a couple of families that are walking around like this. Wow. 
Look at those screws. Like they've never been here. And they don't know where the bathrooms are. They don't know what's going on. And this really hit home. One time at church on a weekend. In between um, our 9 and 11 o'clock service. There's a family. 10 a.m. And they said, hey, you look like you work here. I guess I got a walk that just looks like I know what I'm doing. Okay, I don't know what it is. But they guessed right. I'm like, you're good, man. You're good. How can I help? They said, hey, um... Am I early or am I late? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I see a bunch of people leaving. And I see a bunch of people coming. And I can't tell if I'm early or if I'm late. And you want to know what's true? About 99% of churches in America, they have one service in one location. So when we get up and say, hey, you got a smorgasbord of options, okay, we're multi-site. The average person's going, what are you, McDonald's? What are you talking about? What do you mean you got multiple locations? What do you mean you got multiple service? I thought it was just, it was just one. Like, and then, you know the number one question people ask me? I go, hey, you should come chase Oaks to hear me speak this weekend. They go, are you going to preach at all of them? I'm like, yeah, what else would I do? Yeah, I'm going to be there at all of them. But, like, people don't know how to church and we understand that it's not our party i was sitting with with a young couple and we were just talking about their faith journey and their church journey they're like yeah you know i just it took us a while to really get plugged in i said well why they go well we just had to bring our kid in the service i said well what changed they said we invited a friend to church and they got kids and all of a sudden they walked in the service no kids and we were like hey where'd your kids go they said uh children's ministry you know what the response was they said how much is that they're like uh it's it's free they're like what do you mean it's free i'm like you guys didn't know children's ministry was free and this is what they said they said can you name another place on the planet where there will be CPR certified volunteers that will gladly take away other people's children? No, not for free. And I went, you know what? We're crazy for thinking you should know that. People don't know how to church. And guess what? We are prepared. So here's the deal. You with confidence can invite your friend that's never been to church. You with confidence could also invite your friend who's been hurt by the church. We're preparing all week. Uh, when Jeff and I write messages, we think about people who have no idea what's going on in the scripture. Here's a phrase you, you won't hear Jeff and I use very often. I'm not saying never, but you, you, you'll very rarely hear us say this. You, you know the story. <laughs> you, you know the story. No. There's a lot of people in the room. There's a lot of people watching. That don't know the story. I explained who Mark was towards the beginning of this message. You want to know why? Because most people don't know who that guy is. Like, I know people that when they see us put up scriptures, they go, hey, what's the dot dot for? You know, they're like, Mark 2 dot dot 13. They're like, what does that mean? We do our best to go, hey, in case you have no idea what's going on, guess what? It's not our party. And we want to make sure that every person that walks through our doors and every person that clicks on a link has a clue. And you know what I think? I work so hard. Jeff works so hard. Jeff goes away for weeks to say, you know what, let's, let's think about what we could do to help North 
Dallas, understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When we write messages, we think, hey, even if a person that's not a Christian were to listen to this message, even if they didn't become a Christian, if they did anything we told them to do from that message, it would add value to their life. It would add value to their relationships. It would add value to their career. Dare we say, it would add value to their faith. I tell people all the time in corporate America, I'll put together a keynote. They'll go, dude, that was some good stuff today. I go, you should read the Bible sometime. I stole it all from there, so in case you're wondering like, where I got it. Because here's what I, I, I fully believe. I fully believe, whether you're a Christian or not, if you were to act a little bit more like Jesus, just like moderately, your, your marriage would, would go to a whole new level. People at your job, man, what's, what's gotten into you? My goodness, this is nuts. You're like serving us? I've never seen this before. I mean, like if you, if you were to just moderately, not like, not like every chapter, but just like moderately copy and paste some scripture in your life. I think it would add a ton of value to it. it. You'd be the person everybody wants to work with. You'd be the person everyone wants to work for. You'd probably get promoted if you were to act. Like Jesus, you want to know why? Because you'd find yourself going the extra mile for people you don't even like. Who does that? Jesus, people. And I think it would absolutely change your life. For us, we take the words of Jesus very seriously. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The way we see ourselves is we are like a hospital for the soul so that when you the Christian and when you the non-Christian when your spouse or your children have lost their way when your neighbors need a home plate when your colleagues need a place to find an anchor for their soul they got a place they can call home they have a place they can come and get well and maybe they find themselves in the sinners and tax collectors category. Guess what? You may not be a tax collector, but we are all in the sinners category in need of a savior. And all Matthew did was invite his friends over to his house and say, let me introduce you to my savior. He did not say, come in and let me tell you about all of the Bible verses I've memorized since I gave up our career. Is that what he did? No. He said, hey, this isn't my party. Let me create an environment for people like me to meet my Savior. The second DNA statement I want you to know about Chase Oaks is this. We are all in the same boat. We are all in the same boat. When I was growing up in church, there was this mantra. And the mantra was, come just as you are. Except we were all wearing three-piece suits. And I'm like, I don't, guys, I don't know if this is true. Like, I mean, because if, if it's come just as you are, I should be able to come in my pajamas. My mama said, you're going to wear some regular church clothes to church. Okay, we're not coming in here in some sweatpants. We're not doing that whole deal. But there was this idea of come just as you are. But the longer you came just as you are, the mantra slowly slipped into, like, if you stuck around church long enough, it slowly became, get your act together. And that's exactly what we did. We did exactly what they told us to do. Act. Pretend. And then the church began to get a reputation for being full 
of hypocrites. And then people go, oh, I'm not going to church. Because it's a bunch of hypocrites, which I fully understand. However, there's a bunch of hypocrites at your job and you still go. Just saying. Nevertheless, we got this thing where it's like people sort of learned how to wear church. Like you can fight with your spouse on the way to church. And then as soon as you get out the car, hey, Bill, how are you? It's like when something's up, like you, you felt this like, oh, let me turn on church and pretend a little bit. And what that does is it makes people feel like that that are showing up like, man, I better get my act together. But we're not inviting anyone here to become actors and actresses. No, we, we want people to feel like they're in a boat full of people that can admit that they have some error, that they've made some mistakes. And uh, earlier we looked at one of the first followers that Jesus recruited. I want to look at another one. Jesus recruited Matthew, who was a tax collector. He also recruited Peter, who was a fisherman. Peter, according to scholars, has been considered one of the older disciples, kind of the leader of the pack, if you will. What makes Peter pretty special is, from what we can tell in the Gospels, he was on the inner circle of Jesus. There were the 12 disciples, and then there were, there were another three, and Peter was sort of in that top three categories. Something else you need to know about Peter is he's the only other person in human history besides Jesus Christ to walk on water. So he's in a pretty special category. And at one point in the life and ministry of Jesus, he's getting ready to get arrested. And in that moment, you would think Peter, who's seen Jesus perform miracles, signs, and wonders, would be the kind of guy that would go, you know what, it's a great opportunity as my rabbi, my friend, my savior. This would be a great time for me to act like him. Because I've seen, I've seen him. I've had a front row seat to Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, for three and a half years. This is a man I have walked on water with. When it's time for him to get arrested... This is turn the other cheek moment. This is love your neighbor's moment. This is pray for your enemy's moment. Like, like this is the guy who's been taking notes on Jesus from Jump Street. However, the gospel of Luke, Luke wasn't there, but he heard about this story. This is, this is what he writes. It says, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Now, if you're reading Luke for the very first time, you're going, well, Ryan, this is one of them. We don't know who it is. We don't, I'm not going to say any names, okay? It just, it just is what it is. But if you read John, John like, no, 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 his name don't rhyme with Peter. It's Peter, okay? John says, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Luke's trying to keep it ambiguous. He don't want to put Peter's business out there in the streets. John like, it's Peter. Okay, I don't know why y'all even trying to guess. We know who it is. And let me tell you why I absolutely love that Peter did this. Because the guy who's supposed to be closest to Jesus 
is walking around with a dagger just in case something pop off. You know what I'm saying? He's like, listen, I'm saved, but I got a license to carry for a reason, okay? Like, like you never know what could happen. Like, Peter's one of them, like, he's, I think he's a relatable Christ follower. Because I know some Christians. They're like, I'm a Christian, but I still cut you, okay? Like, I'm a Christian, but I still cuss a little bit. I'm a Christian, but don't mess with me. You know, like, God is still working on me. You know what I like about Peter? I think he gives North Dallas hope. We're all in the same boat. I'm in Peter's boat, man. Sometimes I still get it wrong. Like I, man, I'd love to be the guy on the stage that just has it all together. That would just be a lie. But I, I, I love what Luke tells us Jesus did. After... And if we got really, really deep into how this story went, yeah, he cut off this guy's ear. But the word, the word in Greek used for how he swung, he was aiming for the head. The guy moved and he got the ear. He was trying to cut this man's head off. Peter. You, you got some daddy issues. You need to just work out, my friend. But here's Jesus. His right-hand man has lost it. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Isn't it amazing? One day you're walking on water. And the next day you're trying to take a man's head off. If we're honest, that's us. One moment, you're singing your favorite song in church. And the next moment, you're going off on a coworker. And some people go, Christian? Really? Here's what I want you to know. Wherever you are on your journey with God, the person on your right and the person on your left has a headache they would never tell you about. The person sitting in front of you got in a fight with their spouse on the way here, but they would never tell you that. The person sitting behind you, their kids are losing their mind. Um, there are volunteers here who said, you know, let, let me serve, who struggle with mental health. Um, there are staff members who are in counseling because they need it bad. You want to know who one of those people is? My appointment's November 21st at 3 p.m. if you want to join me. And I'm not ashamed to tell it. Why? Because we're all in the same boat. Counseling is for people that have issues. Guess what? We all got issues. So like if you're here today and you're going, man, I, dude, I cheated. Dude, I'm, I'm divorced. Dude, I, I lost our whole retirement. Dude, I've got some mistakes. Dude, I did some things last night I'm just not proud of. Guess what? There's somebody sitting in your row. There's somebody watching online. There's somebody in this community of faith. That is where you are and has been where you've been. The only difference that some of us have made is that we've been able to admit it and take it to a Savior. We've been able to take it to a Savior who's been able to clean up our mess like he did with Peter. Here's what we realize about you and your faith. 
It's a journey. It's a journey, and we are all on one. And I, I wish that I could tell you that there is like this place you arrive where it's just like, this isn't a thing. Now, y- y'all are in that boat. However, I'm a little bit more spiritual than the rest of the boat. That's just not our crew. Like, I would love for you to believe as me and my wife get, are getting ready to celebrate 10 years of marriage. If you have any uh, destination ideas for me, please email me. I would love to hear that. But we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years. I would love to tell you that in 10 years of marriage, my wife has never gotten mad at me. She's never gotten frustrated with me. Why? Because I'm just amazing. I'm just telling you that right now. I'm incredible. Okay? Incredible. Amazing. I wish I could tell you that, like, I was the best person in the world to work for because I'm just so patient. I have really low standards for humans. It's like, yeah, like, I would love for you to believe that about me. It's just not true. And I'm willing to bet it's not true about you either. Welcome to the party. And welcome to the boat. We're all in the same boat. Some of us can just admit that we actually need a savior. Contrary to popular belief, we don't think you need to get your act together. What we would encourage you to do is to take your next step of faith. That if for a moment you could get past your church hurt. That if for a moment you could get past what you have believed about church your entire life. And begin to say, you know what, Lord? Here, at Chase Oaks, is this a place that I could really, really dive in? Is this a place where I could actually hop in the boat and be willing to raise my hand and go, you know what? I've got some stuff, and I'm willing to bet some other people do as well. And imagine what could happen when we together, as a community of believers, go, hey, we're all in the same boat, and we need a Savior, and we cannot do it on our own. And so what I encourage each and every person here, wherever you are in your journey with God, my hope and prayer is that your journey with God would at some point coincide with your journey with church. That you would go, Lord, this is a place where I think you could use somebody like me. Like some people think, I will engage more in church when I get my act together. Like, like, it, like as soon as I just, you know, button up some things. But I would argue, you can't button up things without God. <laughs> like you're trying to get it together for God, but you, 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 it's not going to happen without God. So I would encourage you to go all in. And for you, that might look like a different step of faith. For you, that might mean giving. For you, that might mean serving. For you, that might mean, you know what? I'm going to actually call this place home. I'm not getting a small group. And you know what? Those neighbors who have never knocked on their door, I don't even know their name. One, I'm going to learn their name. And two, I'm going to invite them to a Christmas production. I say, hey, want to come with me? And just so you know, when you do, we will be ready. We've been preparing for them all year long. Because at the end of the day, what we realize is number one, this is not our party. And number two, we're all in the same boat. So if you've got that friend, if you've got that colleague, 
that finds themselves in that place where they go, dude, I, I could never go be a part of that group. I think they'd be surprised what they'd find. I think they'd be very surprised what they find when you and I decide to be very, very real about where we're actually at in life and where, where you and I decide to go, you know what, we're going to lay down our preferences of what we kind of want for church. No, no, no. We want the Matthews and the tax collectors of the world to be able to walk in a room and go, you know what? I think Jesus could add a ton of value to my life. I just never thought he'd speak to me because of what I've done with my life thus far. We're the kind of place that goes, God sees you and he's been watching you this whole time. And yeah, you are invited to the party. God, I thank you so much for each and every person here at Chase Oaks. God, I pray that we would be the kind of people that aren't so preferential when it comes to our church experience. God, may we think of the people who have yet to hear about you. And may we be the kind of people that make the party a little bit more welcoming. God, I pray that we would all realize that we are all in the same boat. And that we bring the mess of our lives to you. And we surrender all of that mess and all of those mistakes in our past, our present, and our future. We are a community of believers that come together and surrender that to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.